Thank you for coming back from our replay reviews. My name is Leah. And my name is Kathy. We are two friends who are here to replay, review, and analyze your favorite video games. And since Kathy has never seen the games before, it helps me view them through her fresh eyes, almost like I'm discovering them again for the first time. We hope it will be a similar experience for you. Before we start on our first topic, I just need to ask you, do you have any conversations regarding Merlin that you want to discuss? Yeah. Uh, why the heck did he die? What was the purpose of it? Okay. I don't know if that's going to be a long conversation or not, but the reason I asked you is because I realized something. Hmm. I don't think Merlin is a canary. Merlin is blue. Isn't Merlin yellow? No, Merlin is blue. I went what? back and I looked. <laughs> Look at your face. How is he not? I thought he was. What? Our whole tagline is a lie. We've been lying to ourselves. My canary in a coal mine theory is shot. I This changes everything. Oh, okay. So as I was looking up, he's, he's blue slash gray. I don't know why we thought he was freaking yellow. <laughs> the background of the photo of Merlin is yellow, so maybe we got that confused. Besides the coloring, he very much resembles a canary. But not the one thing that really identifies a bird as a canary. We have colors named after this bird, canary yellow. And we still looked at a bluebird and said, you know what, that's a canary. <laughs> I had to call us out. We have to correct this. And don't defend us by thinking that we're colorblind, because I don't think we are. We just strictly just thought he was yellow. What color is this? It's blue. Okay, I think we're both good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. I'm going to confess right here that as I was looking at photos, I saw a sentence saying why Merlin had to die and the symbolism. So I can't really claim it. It's mine. I just saw it, and I'm just going to read it gotta cite my sources and this is heavyrain.fandom.com slash wiki slash merlin and <laughs> all the slashes <laughs> yes what the symbolism for merlin's death is that it one foreshadows the death of jason and two it has the parallelism of sean saying that he would do anything for merlin to come back to life is equivalent to ethan who's going to do whatever he needs to do to save Sean, which is completing the trials of the origami killers games. And so that's just the, the symbolism is that do whatever it takes. Well, okay. Yeah. This is not my theory though. I want to say that this <laughs> is someone's, someone's yeah. theory inside. I can't claim it, but my own personal thought was that it was complete useless kind of scene. And it is just to tug our emotions of like, oh no, a bird died. Yes. Which I know it is sad in some cases. It's equivalent of movies saying that the dog died just to tug people's emotions. I think it's just them, their first attempt at trying to make us feel something. Yeah, I agree. It feels pointless, which is why I don't think they're wrong about the symbolism, but I don't want to think that that is the extent of Merlin because it feels very, very out of place and unnecessary, which is why I cling to the theory of Sean saying I would do anything to bring him back to life and they're, you know, following that is Jason's death. I feel like he sort of blames himself and that adds to his character and what 
his character is feeling and going through, which in turn affects Ethan. But again, we don't know what happened to Merlin. Did we ever do a so long for Merlin? I feel like at this point, we need to do a special summary episode so long for this not canary bird. Uh, we'll just say Mother Respector because, I mean, he did no wrongs. He did no wrong. So long, Mother Respector. By Merlin. Okay. <laughs> Should we actually get into the uh, the actual outline for this episode? Yeah. So for our first topic is our burning questions. And we really can sum it down to two main questions. And so the first question is, why are there so many connections between Ethan and the origami killer? So yeah, let's discuss some of these connections. We have the blackouts on the killing nights. We have the origamis in his hand. And the fact that he wakes up at Carnaby Corner North. The question is why? If he's not the killer, where the heck do these connections come from? Could it be that he just has knowledge of the origami killer from reading newspapers and stuff? But would he have learned how to make an origami dog off of that? Would he know where this death occurred based off of that? Because I don't think anyone knew the origins of the origami killer my only potential theory at this point there's there's more that i'll talk about in one of our other topics but for now the only thing i can see is that he just read about it in the newspaper because if he's not involved how else how else would this be happening and the fact that even if ethan reads things about it he also isn't doing anything about it and i do want to cite one example is when he receives a letter about the church. So the, the quote is, when the parents came home from church, all their children were gone. They searched and called for him. They cried and begged, but it was all to no avail. Ethan does nothing with that, though. And there is not much of a, I guess, of a reason for that either. So I feel like our point of saying that Ethan being interested in picking up how to do origami isn't really a valid reasoning because we see him who gets these letters and he just comes like, cool, I'm going to go shoot some hoops. He has very odd reactions to things and very conveniently timed blackouts. It's suspicious. And my reasoning why they made there be so many connections is that it was trying to make Ethan look suspicious. Who else better than the main character to pretty much gaslight himself into thinking that he might be the killer? Mm hmm. With Ethan, you also see him killing Brad, and that also does make him a killer in some way. Not an origami killer, who's notoriously <laughs> famous for being a serial killer. But we also do see that Ethan is capable of murder, and he probably is capable of doing more murders. For whatever reason, just this time, when you said origami, it made me think of something. So I replayed uh, a couple chapters of the game today to look at alternate choices. Mm -hmm. And when the game is loading, it gives you little, like, instructions mm -hmm. that you might have missed at other times. And one of them was, like, when you see this symbol, unfold unfold it slowly. That's why the controls are so weird. They're trying to mimic origami folds. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I've never noticed that. <laughs> and so maybe we move on to the next burning question. And it is, what happens to the fathers that quit the trials that decided you know what it's too difficult i'm just gonna let my child die 
I think the main thing is that Scott just leaves them to hopefully die from guilt. He doesn't do anything to pursue it. He just gets confirmation that they truly are bad fathers. And I actually, coming at it from a different perspective, I actually think that the reason why Scott is letting these dads survive and their children die is that Scott just wants confirmation that these are bad people. I feel like he just wants confirmation that fathers are terrible. And I think that's a bit of a PTSD and that's how he grew up seeing his Mm -hmm. own dad just not care. That makes me think that, do you think that Scott left his own dad alive or dead? I have no research on this topic, but this Mm -hmm. is my immediate thoughts. He was still a young child when all this occurred and was taken away and adopted fairly quickly. I think most likely his father was probably arrested for like negligence, maybe even child endangerment, or died of alcohol poisoning. I don't think that this man lasted very long. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know, but maybe that's part of part of what you're saying. Maybe he would have liked to punish his father. But he couldn't, so now he's punishing other fathers. That's really similar to what I thought, too, was that the reason why these trials are so challenging is that he's almost, in a way, thinking of these fathers as his own fathers and, in a way, trying to punish them because he couldn't do that so mm-hmm. with his own father. And it's just this twisted way of coping with everything that happened. The only note I put on this is... Still unanswered from what I saw of the alternate choices. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to dive into those, which is topic number two, alternate choices. So we're first going to analyze what happens. Basically, if you abandon the trials or fail the trials. For the first trial, for the driving one, I basically tried to fail it. So I delayed it as long as I could by listening to every single one of Ethan's thoughts. And then just ignoring all the QTEs and crashing into everyone. <laughs> And basically, time just runs out, and he crashes sooner and limps away from the car without getting the letters. And the second one, which is the the coward door, right? Mm-hmm. He walks out the door and just says, this is it for me. It's over. <laughs> and then it cuts away. And then if you don't take the poison, you just walk out, turn around, leave. He's not necessarily punished for failing these trials or abandoning these trials. He just has fewer letters. I can't remember. Did we need the letters in order to go to it? Or was Ethan still able to guess what the letters are without getting the letters? Yeah. So in our gameplay video, he got all the letters. And when I replayed and failed a few of the trials, he had enough to make a guess. And there was three options. And I purposefully chose one that I knew wasn't it. (laughs) And he gets there and he's like, no, it's a restaurant. (laughs) I was wrong. So what happens when you show up at the wrong restaurant? He doesn't find Sean. So you better hope someone else does. But I will say, so everyone has like multiple potential deaths, right? And for Ethan, I believe all but one of his deaths are suicide. I what? guess that's that's the uh, the effect of failing these trials and not saving Sean. Does Ethan just commit suicide before finding Sean, or does he get Sean's body like through the mail, or like I guess <laughs> like like you know what I mean? Like, does he get confirmation that Sean truly is in in the in the the water? Like, you know, you know what? Like, <laughs> 
You're dying right now. <laughs> no pun I'm intended. Sorry, you said. Does he get Sean's body through the mail? You said that, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm thinking, work? like chopped up in pieces or something. Like you, you know, oh god, I mean? <laughs> my overactive imagination. Oh, between Our that friend. and the skin sliding off, we're we're gonna get censored. I don't know how to answer your question because I haven't seen all of these endings. Mm-hmm. All I know is I think if you fail to save Sean, I think in most situations where he kills himself, Sean's probably dead. Where that's taking me is, is this what happens to the fathers? Are they so racked with guilt that a lot of them end up committing suicide? Or do they just run away? Because they still feel like the ones that are missing, if they're dead, someone's going to find them at some point, right? And the news is going to travel back to their widow's. Most likely, at least one of them is going to be found, but we never hear anything about that, so maybe they just run away. But I guess, what is the competency level of the police department if they never even resolved Brad's death or Manfred's death? And I will say that in Brad's case, there's like a whole pile of vomit that's all Ethan's <laughs> DNA. I don't know if we know that they they haven't solved those cases. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah, I just don't think that <laughs> I don't think they're important enough <laughs> for, for the screen time. Because they did arrest Scott for Manfred's death initially. So he was at least a person of interest. So second alternate choice is the finger cutting tools. We mentioned in that episode what would happen Mm -hmm. if you picked the worst things. (laughs) And we decided that the scissors and the saw would be the worst. And I think the developers agreed because there is a trophy (laughs) called Butcher. Oh. And it's using the saw or the scissors to cut off your finger. So I'm guessing the animations are fairly similar. I ended mm-hmm. up using the saw after some deliberation. I don't know if you want to see it. It's no. Like, <laughs> no. If you couldn't handle the cleaver, you're not going to be able to handle this. It takes some more effort. I'll tell you that. So he does the initial, like, I'm going to try to chop it off with a saw because I'm a dumbass. And then he goes, I need to saw it because it's a saw. And then so much pain, he falls to the floor. It's not gone yet. (laughs) So he has to do one more swoosh with the saw to get get rid of it. Can you tell I'm making a face right now? No. I'm sure that it'll be in our video episode, though, on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, gag. I don't want to review it. (laughs) All right. Alternate choice number three. Taking versus not taking the trypto. Did you have any notes before I tell you the truth, according to (laughs) Heavy Rain Wiki? I was going to say that if he doesn't take the trip, though, he's not going to be able to function enough to solve the case. And so I think that not taking the trip, though, is going to lead to not arresting the origami killer. No. Huh. I think it should have. The way that they put on these choices where you have to take it or not take it, Mm -hmm. it makes it seem very important. But according to Heavy Rain Wiki, I keep almost saying Yakuza Wiki because Mm. so used to saying it. It says that the choices surrounding taking Tripto do not change any of the outcome in the game. However, there is a potential epilogue where Jaden dies of a Tripto overdose. What? Did we not see the overdose scene? No, because he in ours, he flushed it. Oh, yeah. Do we know if Tripto affects the ability to use Ari? From what other people are saying, it's pretty similar to what we were thinking. Ari causes, causes trouble. And we've seen that with the blurring, the mixing mm-hmm. of reality and the VR. And the trypto is the medication for that to stop that. 
mm-hmm. he has withdrawals from it, and so he is addicted to it. And we discussed this a lot in the last episode, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but mm-hmm. yes, he's addicted to it. If you take it too much, I think that's probably where you get the epilogue of him mm-hmm. overdosing. But as far as the decisions in-game, it doesn't change the storyline. I think this is our most exciting topic that mm-hmm. we are uh, excited to talk about. I could have said that a lot better. I sounded like <laughs> a two-year-old. <laughs> topic number three is discussing the therapist. Because we both agree, I believe, I think, he would have been a way better killer in this game than Shelby. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about this... The crazier my theory is, is that I believe the therapist should have been the killer because the therapist could be the reason why Ethan gets his blackouts. The therapist is either doing some kind of hypnotizing therapy or something that is causing him to have these blackouts. Or maybe he helps Scott Shelby just throw Ethan in the trunk and move him from point A to point B. And he's the reason why there's the origami in his hand is that the therapist is probably there to shove that origami into his hands and into all the other victims and to be pretty much Scott Shelby's alibi. And I also do think that Scott isn't capable of doing all this by himself. I think he needed an accomplice. Yeah, the doctor should have been the killer. It makes mm-hmm. more sense. He He's a Warnicky in the making. He is. Mine differs from yours a little bit, but let's just start from the beginning. So, like, point one for me, he could have put these ideas in Ethan's mind. You know, the visions of drowning bodies, the location of Carnaby Corner North. And then he says that, like, the visions of drowning bodies are a result of his trauma surrounding Jason and potential brain damage. Okay, brain damage makes you think that could be anything. That could do anything to your brain. Okay, But that's pretty coincidental that it's drowning bodies and it has nothing to do with the trauma that he experienced with Jason. So that to me is is a red flag. And it would explain why Ethan knows the location of the incident that took place with Scott and John. Point number two, he could be causing the blackouts that we still don't understand. Like you said, hypnosis, anything like that. He could easily do that. And is this a great way to ensure that Ethan does not have an alibi. Point three, I think he's been waiting for his perfect fall guy, and Ethan is just sick enough to be able to convince him or put ideas in his head and not only control him in this way, but also get him to actually believe that he is the killer. Even Ethan cannot see another explanation other than him being the killer. He believes he is the killer for a long time. And again, this also helps explain why the doctor refused to talk to Jaden and Blake about Ethan while he was being physically assaulted, only to tell them everything and implicate Ethan when there was no direct threat against him. I just think that the doctor would be a better killer. I think it fills in a lot of these plot holes that we've been discussing, whereas Scott Shelby is just maybe a more interesting killer because he's one of the main characters. I agree too. I guess it has to be Scott Shelby, because when we play as this character, I mean, how often do you get to play as the, the serial killer? And mm-hmm. also, he seems like a good guy helping all these families when, in fact, he's just destroying evidence. My other take of this, and in a way, a tangent, if this was the therapist being the actual killer, I think that could tie back to 
the letter that Ethan got about when the parents came home from church. And the reason why I'm saying this is because this office of where the therapy sessions are, they're stained glass, and I associate that with churches. And so when the parents came home from church, church being his therapy office is, all their children were gone. And in that case, the therapist probably had someone helping him kidnap all these children. They search and call for them, so the parents are trying to find their kids. Um, and they cried and begged, but it just that I, I feel like everything fits better with that letter because right now we're doing nothing with the letter. And if I was the game creator, I would have made the therapist the killer and, and this letter would have made a lot more sense. But I think we're going to, well, we are going to post about this in Reddit because mm-hmm. I think it warrants a discussion. So if you have thoughts on this, go find go find our Reddit. It'll be linked. However... As we've been discussing, especially around this therapist, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And that's why we're going to watch Cutting Room Floor, which, and I quote, addresses some of the development history of Heavy Rain, explaining plot holes, as well as some small informational extras. So maybe this will fill in a lot of these questions for us. So we're going to go ahead and watch this now. It's only like five minutes long. Okay. I'm excited to watch it. In the original version of the game, Shelby entered Anne Shepard's hospital room just after Madison. He hugged her in his arms and then smothered her with a pillow. We decided to exclude God damn. this very violent scene. <laughs> what? <laughs> this, this just started so hard. <laughs> it's very intense. Like, And I don't know if you'd have to be the one controlling... The act of killing your mother. I feel like this should come with trigger warnings. My goodness. A man who venerates the concept of the father to such a degree, and by extension, the concept of the family, cannot kill his mother like that. And although we learn that Anne's son never visits her, it may have been too radical to envisage Shelby getting rid of his own mother, who is senile to boot, therefore oh incapable of remembering that he is there. By merely looking at his mother without talking to her, he again becomes the little boy who is desperately seeking a father worthy of the name in a world that has disappointed him. Initially, the idea was that when Ethan had his blackouts, he would find himself in a sort of nightmare, lost in the ruins of a house underwater. Ethan would swim without really knowing where to go, just following the corridors until he came upon the body of the child, the victim of the organization. What? What? He would then wake up, as in the final version, in Carnaby Square, with an origami figure in his hand. The first blackout takes place after Ethan puts his son (laughs) Sean to bed. Once Sean is asleep, Ethan goes back downstairs. But when he reaches the bottom of the stairs, he sees water on the floor at the front door. He turns around and sees water coming down the stairs behind him. The water continues to rise. Looking out the windows, we realize that the water outside is already higher than the house. Ethan runs toward the front door of the house. When he gets there, the door literally explodes and an enormous quantity of water submerges Ethan. The second blackout, which is much more spectacular, happens when Ethan loses Sean in the park. 
The camera started to tremble more and more, and a tsunami suddenly submerged that whole part of the city. Then we found Ethan underwater, as in the previous blackout. Two similar elements for a paranormal explanation. Shelby was present at the time of Ethan's accident, and a special bond was forged between them. From then on, Ethan accessed Shelby's mind whenever he killed children. What? Are you f***ing kidding me? What? <laughs> There's no f***ing way. I'm sorry. Access Shelby's mind. What? I'm sorry. So you're telling me the explanation for the their blackouts is that their minds melded? What? F*** off. F*** off, David Cage. I, I'm speechless right now, so let's keep going. But what the absolute heck is going on? Corresponding to the times when Ethan what? found himself in the house underwater filled with Shelby's memory. What? The water is the metaphorical representation of the killer's mind. During his blackouts, Ethan goes to Carnaby Square, the place where Shelby's brother died, and he makes an origami figure at the same time as the killer makes one to leave in the hands of the victim. These scenes were not retained in the end because they made the story too complex. And What's it complex? It was stupid. That added nothing to the story. They made the story too complex. No. If this had been part of the game from the get-go and there was a, a paranormal aspect to it number one that could explain merlin a little bit better which by the way merlin was like a medieval warlock or something so another connection there but if this had been included it fills in a plot hole <laughs> which is what the hell is going on with these blackouts and why does ethan have so many connections to the origami killer two of our biggest questions that we have they can be explained by this i don't like it but if this was part of the game and if a more of a paranormal aspect was included in the game as a whole, I would be into this. I would rather have this than have plot holes. And I hate it when games say the audience is too stupid to understand because that's essentially what they just told us. Or was it that they recognize how stupid it is that they cut? But here's the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, no no hate towards game creators. But my, my thoughts is that if you're going to cut all these blackouts, why didn't you cut everything? Why did you still leave some blackouts and some conversation of it when you don't really do anything with it? Like, why not just cut it more? Right. Don't do it for the sake of dragging out time. Because I think this is complete and utter bullcrap. I think that if you... <laughs> Are going to leave blackout scenes in it, leave everything, or don't leave it at all. Don't just leave a few things and exactly. say that, oh, the game player is going to be too stupid to understand. 100%. It's like they took away the cause but left the effect. You can't have effect without the cause and not have the audience be confused. I'd rather see the cause and be like, huh, I don't really understand what's going on, but it seems to affect this. But they took the cause away and left us with only the effect, which leaves us extremely confused and full of plot holes. Well, the thing is that the, cheese. the effect was even isolated. I, I feel like the yeah. effect should have been taken away because it doesn't really do much to it. It doesn't add value. It only adds confusion. And I think if you ever get exactly. a scene that adds confusion instead of value, then maybe you need to consider not putting it in. Sorry, I'm right. just so frustrated like and heated right now. <laughs> well, they could have even cut these scenes but added in a few things of like, Ethan having weird flashes of someone else's memories. You know what I mean? Any any small clue, subtle hint, or even him saying to him his therapist, I'm having flashbacks of like things that I don't remember living. It's like I'm seeing someone else's memories. Two lines and you have it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not confused anymore. I'm intrigued. 
Okay, we're mad. Um, yeah. Okay. I paused at 312. <laughs> I paused at 312. We're going to continue. We decided to remove them a few months before the end of development, particularly in order to speed up the start of the game, recenter the narration, and anchor the story in reality. This scene shows us Ethan getting out of bed in the morning. He goes to wake up Sean to take him to school. The scene is redundant because of the father and son scene. However, this part of the game was not without interest. It placed the player in the role of a responsible father, looking after his son and himself. As he passes near the letterbox, Ethan notices the origami killer's letter that informs him that his son will soon disappear. Of course, it is a touching scene, but too close to the father and son and the birthday scene for it to have any real existence of its own. We therefore decided to include the letter in the father and son scene and to get rid of this scene. <laughs> that one actually made sense. Okay. Madison is the most enigmatic character in the game. <laughs> Debatable. Debatable. It's like they listened to us. Yeah. <laughs> are just yanking our chain right now. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Okay, here we go. 420. <laughs> okay. We know very little about her an insomniac journalist investigating the origami killer. In one of the first versions of the game design, Madison went to her newspaper office several times. At the American Tribune, she could conduct research to find possible suspects, speak with her boss, and write articles after her missions. In the same way, Madison's apartment was different in the beginning. It was in the process of being redecorated. One of the player's first tasks was to repaint and change the layout of the apartment in order to uh, no. personalize it. This was an interesting <laughs> characterization process for a character who still remains quite mysterious. We never learn in the game why Madison suffers from insomnia. In reality, it stems from her past. As a journalist, what? she was a war correspondent during the armed conflict <laughs> in Iraq. Okay, okay. What? I don't, I don't know how we got there. Well, that doesn't that explain it? anything about her weird dream about getting her neck sliced, right? I don't know, unless she was, like, saw something like that. I. Well, okay, if that's not the case, then why didn't they take out the entire first scene of when we meet Madison and then we didn't have to make a Sharon in some stupid, pointless showering scene? Well, Kathy, they had to leave in the, the boob break. Ugh. Remember, every game needs a boob break. Okay, so... Does it answer questions for us? Uh, yes, but not that we like. Mm -hmm. I think they made a mistake removing those scenes and then not having a replacement for them because it takes away the whole explanation for what's happening in Ethan's life. And instead, it leaves it looking like they're just trying to make Ethan this, this really big red herring and there's no reason to it. I mean, they don't care what we think, but mm. that's, my, that's my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just... Wow. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed at, at at I feel like you making me watch this video makes me even a bit more more annoyed about this game than I was. See, I knew it included some information on the blackouts and I can tell you that that's the last thing I expected. Mm -hmm. The absolute last thing. Uh 100% our our theory for who the killer should have been is better. Mm -hmm. It's better. Mm -hmm. I like the mind meld theory if it had been like I said 
explored in the story other than just in those blackouts. I think that would have been cool. That would have added a whole new element to the story. Instead, we are just angry. I guess they could have done a better job of even hinting that there's an ability to do so. There's some mysterious Mm -hmm. elements to this from sorcery or everything. Maybe they're able to do some like live switching and fate switching with Merlin and everything just to kind of show that this isn't about a realistic game of what happens in reality. This is a game with some magical elements in it and some uh, mind swapping or mind accessing parts to it. Yeah, I agree. And I know that they cut these just a few months before launch. They wouldn't have a lot of time to replace it with things, but then maybe don't launch the game. (laughs) Right. If they had just a scene with, Oh look, Merlin's alive now, you know, after Jason's death, Gives you some more of that supernatural aspect. Mm-hmm. And instead of him going to the psychologist, have him go to like a palm reader or a medium and be like, I have these weird visions that are not from my life. Should we move on to topic number five? Mm-hmm. It is the KFC section. Kathy's favorite character, which mm-hmm. uh, led us into a weird Kentucky Fried Chicken theme, I guess. So, of course, we had to order KFC for dinner, and I'm still sipping on that sweet lightning. Again, we are not sponsored. <laughs> yes. I would like for KFC, if you could send me, though, one of your food-warming game consoles. That, that's, that's all I ask for in exchange mm-hmm. for this free advertisement. Please. Are you ready to tell me who the KFC is? I was actually going to give you my, my top few choices, and maybe you want to choose. So, for nominations for the KFC... We have Merlin. Who's the, <laughs> who's the reason why we started with some crazy theories and everything, even though we thought he was yellow and he's actually gray slash blue. Manfred, who did nothing wrong. He was just there trying to help. And he's just this kind of cute little dude who really seems to, to be an honest dude. Jaden, who, I mean, obviously solves the case. So we got to nominate him. Uh, Ari slash the butler. I, I don't know if they're the same person, but I'm just going to say them they're together. It's really the real reason why Jaden was able to solve the case. And then we have Sean, who's cool, calm, collected, despite drowning, shows no signs of PTSD, even though he has plenty of reason to do so. And he doesn't blame his dad for being kidnapped and for taking so long. So with that being said, I guess between Merlin, Manfred, Jaden, Butler slash Ari... And Sean, who do you think was my KFC pick? Let me test my psychology muscles. I Mm -hmm. am not involved in psychology in any way, so Mm -hmm. don't take that too literally. I'm going to say it's either Manfred or the Ari Butler because for some reason those two characters have a very similar feel to me. And none of the other characters are related in any way. So I feel like you put one of them in there to throw me off. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it's Manfred. Because he's a sweet old man, then he shared his, his bottle of scotch. Oh, we're so close. It was Ari, the butler. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I, and I think really, I mean, Manfred was a really good guest. He probably is my second favorite character. And the real reason why, in addition to Ari being the sole reason why Jaden's able to do his police work, is that he does try to keep Jaden on the up and up of not being an addict. He pretty much just tells Jaden that I'm like, hey... Gotta be careful. And then he also brings <laughs> vodka, <laughs> which I know you're, there's so much question around oh, that. But I thought it would be kind of fun to to explore that option. Yes. We'll post in Reddit uh, not only about the psychologist, but also about the vodka. Mm-hmm. I think those are our two remaining burning questions. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Kathy. As you know, I checked the menu today at KFC. (laughs) (laughs) They no longer have the Kentucky Scorcher. It's just called the Spicy Chicken Sandwich. But we're not going to change our our Mm -hmm. category. So you got to tell me, who's the Kentucky Scorcher? Who is the the hottest, the spiciest (laughs) character? (laughs) I feel like I don't have much choice in four humans. I'd say Jaden. Um, what do you mean for humans? There's one bird in the camera, right? It would have been the bird. What are you talking about? <laughs> the hell are you talking about? I really didn't. I mean, like, by looks, sure, Jaden, but I also feel like, what do you expect me to say? A negligent father or a murder? Or or child who's not even 18? Like, what do you want me to say? Oh, not even eight. <laughs> 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 I'm glad you brought that aspect of it up because, as you know, at the end of last season, we discussed that as women, it's very hard to to judge physical hotness when you know uh, <laughs> personality and characteristics <laughs> oh, of, of the people. And so this season, to negate that, <laughs> I sent you a slideshow for every game with mm-hmm. The, the most prominent characters, a handful of the most prominent characters in each game, and had you select without knowing anything about these characters, which one is the most physically attractive? And you left some notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that would be fun. Give me my first reactions to all these and tell me how right or wrong they are. But now I cannot remember what I said. And now I'm wondering if I'm going to hate old Kathy for saying some of the stuff. <laughs> so I'll include the image of the slide. And the, the video episode on YouTube. Gosh. Oh I hope gosh. I didn't say Brad. I've been holding on to this. I have been holding on to this. Okay. Since I sent this out to you and you gave mm-hmm. me your responses. So I'm extremely excited right now to be doing this. I'm extremely nervous. So here, here it is. Here's oh gosh, the super thing nervous. that you received. Oh my god. Okay. So I'm now going to read to you what you said. We're going to start from number one, which is a picture of Charles Kramer. And here's what you said. Looks like he starts as a good guy, but turns out that he's betraying people. You got half of that right. Mm-hmm. Moving on to number two, who is Mad Jack. You said, looks like he's the muscle, but not the main character. Close enough. We'll give you that. Number three, who is Scott Shelby. <laughs> you said... Looks like he's an old vet in a team of people who are on a heist. <laughs> and that's when that's when the note started to take a turn, I noticed. Um, what? Number really? four is Norman Jaden. And about him, you said, looks like the corporate finance bro who will betray people. <laughs> Wrong there. Number five is Lieutenant Carter Blake. And of him, you said... Looks like he's the villain and head of a mafia. <laughs> and then six, which is Ethan, you said, looks like five's right-hand man. <laughs> oh. No. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> I don't number seven. <laughs> number seven is Gordy Kramer, <laughs> who you said, looks like an undercover dude from five's rival clan, <laughs> which I don't understand because... <laughs> There's no clans in the mafia, but here was your here was your pick. Are you ready? Oh God! I hope I said two or four. <laughs> well, you didn't. Oh, no. oh God! I hope I didn't say seven or five. You you said based on no context of the game and only in terms of looks. 
I'm gonna say seven. <laughs> Kills pale as crap, man. In terms of looks, and then you said, but he's very pasty white, to which I took great offense, and I have to tell you that we prefer the term porcelain, okay? (laughs) When I looked at your comments when you returned this to me, I was astonished. You picked Gordy Kramer. I am shocked, too. You didn't pick Norman Jaden? What's wrong with that picture of him? I didn't... I don't know how to defend myself. You can't. There is no defending yourself. I just didn't. Maybe I don't like the looks of Jaden. I I don't know. I mean, I would pick Jaden right now, but I. Or <laughs> that's because you know he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hence I, why we did this. Yeah. Oh, this was the best idea that we've had. I that know. Was... I'm slightly embarrassed right now. Pasty wet. How dare you? <laughs> Well, I mean, at least you have some, like, blush going on. He was, like, straight up pale white. <laughs> or pasty. Or not pasty. Porcelain. He was straight up Thank porcelain. Vampire. Like, he you. was, like... <laughs> for for those of you who still haven't looked at the gameplay and only just listening, imagine him looking like Jasper from Twilight. Just pure porcelain skin tone. Or the sections of my body that don't ever see the sun. <laughs> We should do a stale biscuit version of this for for next <laughs> we season. Should. Yeah, we should. Um, great segue, by the way. Mm-hmm. Who is the stale biscuit? Which, of course, with I don't think it really needs any explanation. But the biggest just douche, idiot, <laughs> whatever uh, expletive you want to use. That's what the stale biscuit is. Mm-hmm. So let me hear it. And and I will preface this: stale biscuits has nothing to do with looks. It is character personalities right it is uh nomination so you guess who you think i chose and i'll uh, have a quick sentence explaining it <clears throat> madison page oh <laughs> i'm gonna read read off the all the the things so you have scott shelby who is a murderer and can't cook madison page who is someone who butts into people's businesses and withholds evidence <laughs> um, literally butts into it oh god leah <laughs> the zebra guy which i already forgot his name but paco yeah paco he is slimy and pretty much probably i wouldn't be surprised if he's into the sex trafficking business ethan a man who lost not one but two kids and he never seeked actual help for his issues so you have Scott, Madison, Paco, Ethan. It's going to be between Madison and Paco, I think. I, I have to stick with Madison based off of not all of it even made it into the final cut. I cut a lot of Madison <laughs> rants from you. So I have to say Madison. Yeah, I mean, you already know. <laughs> I mean, you've been, y'all have been listening to me for the last six episodes. And you know how much rage I have. And I have a list of reasons, and I'm going to keep these short and quick. One, she was irritating me to no end since the beginning. (laughs) Six, she's snoozing as F. Seven, she's stupid as F. Uh, where am I? I don't know. Nine. She's absolutely reckless with the motorcycle. <laughs> You're on point number nine. Yeah. She's absolutely reckless with her motorcycle driving skills, which just like swings it Lady at the Lady driver. Right? <laughs> it's just- Go watch Trial and Error, everybody. Yes. 
Sorry, that was a massive rant. We're going to have to cut some words down. I was going to say, you're like, this is going to be quick. I've been watching the, the clock since you said that. It's been four minutes. <laughs> Sorry. I just, it's been four minutes. It's just such a missed opportunity for making a smart, strong female character. And they completely it missed it. And it makes me They angry. almost had it. They almost had it. Did they, they just? They did it a little too much with, with the butt. They, they, the nudity. I could, I see, they think they accomplished it. And I see why they think that. But they're wrong. I'll end it. I'll end the rant there. Keep my lips kind of sealed because I could go on for another 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. <laughs> I cut about 20 minutes out of the last episode. <laughs> 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 yes. Well, should we uh, wrap this up with mm-hmm. telling me uh, the final, the whole game QTA percentage and tell me if I was right in my guess? Yeah, so I'm going to quickly go over. Your guess was 94.2. My guess was 97. The average is 92. So you're you're closer to it. It's pretty low. But in my defense, it was just me being confident in you and your hand yoga and ability to... <laughs> be awesome at QTEs for ridiculous things like piano playing. Yeah, that that one got me. <laughs> <laughs> I still like that you can see when I started to panic. <laughs> you can visually see it. Same as when Madison's getting attacked. Mm-hmm. There's a moment of no return. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can call that a victory. I was closest, but it was lower. So I feel like we just, we both lose in that. Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned the Reddit a few times. We're going to post a couple couple topics in there. So if you have anything to add to what we've been discussing, do not hesitate. Go hop on in there. It'll be in the heavy rain one, but you can just go to our Reddit, which will be linked below, but it is just Replay Reviews Pod. We've also launched a Twitter at the start of the season, so this might be the first time you're hearing about it. So we're doing a new thing. We used to play a little bit of the soundtrack, but in an abundance of caution to not get copyrighted. And also it just is a little more fun. We're going to use a quote, an obscure quote from the next game. This one might be a little easy because there might not be any English to choose from. But we will post it on our Instagram and probably on our Twitter. So if you can guess which game we're playing next, um, I don't know if you'll win anything. Maybe (laughs) are we going to have prizes? It'll be easy, though. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> but you will learn how it works, and the next one will be more challenging. I just want to quickly, again, thank everyone who listens to us. Again, this is not something we're professionals at. This is really out of our pure enjoyment of being able to talk about storylines and the fact that you've listened to us the last six episodes we appreciate it we hear you we see you and we're thankful for you absolutely and again special shout out to everyone who's been here since day one when we really really sucked a huge thank you (laughs) coming from us for that but we appreciate all of you and we'll see you in the next game you want to count us off yes audacity on one three two one Thank you for listening, and don't forget to send in any questions, comments, or game suggestions. You can find all our contact info on our website, replayreviewspod.com, or contact us directly through our site. Did we completely miss something? Are we way off the mark? Or do you just want us to take a deeper look at anything from the game? 
We'll tackle any topics you all want to hear in our season wrap-up episode. We also have a Reddit where we discuss anything we're curious about. Go take a look and let us know what you're thinking. Our theme music is Condemned by Eggy Toast. They'll play you out, and we'll be back next week.